Well, good morning. It's so good to be here with you this morning, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to uh, uh, be able to join your voices along with mine as we worship our great and awesome God together. You know, there are some times and seasons and circumstances in our life that seem especially intense. Uh, maybe it's when we're in a time of, uh, of change or a, a time of transition, a time of crisis. And, and of course, these sorts of times can come for all sorts of different reasons. Sometimes they come uh, for good and exciting reasons. Uh, maybe there's the offer of a new job. And, and while that's a really good thing, it just kind of leaves everything a little bit off kilter. Um, uh, maybe it, it is as you get ready to fulfill a dream and you step out on this big adventure to, 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 to go away and start college. Then there are other times of, of, of change and transition and, and even crisis that come kind of unexpectedly. and it, it just feels like something comes completely out of the blue. And of course, sometimes it's because of something that is devastating like the diagnosis of cancer or the loss of a loved one. And we're left with a deep pain. There are times in our life that we feel like normal has just been thrown out of the window. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, what's interesting is that even in the midst of those times, and perhaps I should say especially in the midst of those times, we can often find that we are drawn closer to Christ. We have a greater sense of, uh, of dependence upon Him, a greater understanding of our deep need of Him. But even in the midst of that, if we're honest, all of us crave stability. All of us crave uh, uh, some sense of the normal, of, of, of the routine. And even after a time that has been incredibly intense, eventually, what was once different becomes normal. What was once new becomes the daily grind. What was once unsettled does begin to settle down. And you know, it's in the midst of that that we can often find ourselves faced with a very subtle danger. I know here at uh, Springbrook, this is something of a time of transition. It's a time of uh, uh, both celebration as uh, uh, reflect on uh, many years of faithful ministry by Pastor Dan, but there's also a sense of grieving as the Lord has led him into a new season of ministry. And as a church, that means it's a little bit of a time of kind of refocusing, of uh, seeking the Lord again in a fresh way and, 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 and uh, looking with anticipation and excitement as to what is next and what God has in store. And so I wonder, not so much about the time of transition, but how do we as a church and how do we in our individual lives make sure that we stay on mission when things begin to settle back down again? When life becomes normal again? 
You know, that was a concern that Joshua had for the people of Israel in the days that we read about in the Old Testament book of Joshua. I know that over the past several weeks, Pastor Rich and Pastor Matt have uh, been looking at some different passages in the early chapters of Joshua, and you've seen how Israel faced this huge transition from the leadership of Moses to, uh, to Joshua. And then you've seen how the Lord, as he had promised to do so, brought the people into the land, and they began to take possession of the land. And in fact, through most of the book of Joshua, what we find is a very tumultuous time. It's a time of war. It's a time of battle. It's a time of taking new ground and overthrowing the enemies. It's an intense time. But as we find ourselves right at the end of the book of Joshua this morning, what we're going to see is what it looks like to stay on mission when life begins to feel settled. And that's exactly how it was by the time we get to Joshua chapter 23. If you have a Bible with you this morning or you have it on your app, I would encourage you to open that up to Joshua chapter 23 where we read these words. A long time afterward when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all of their surrounding enemies and Joshua was old and well advanced in years, Joshua summoned all Israel, its elders and its heads, its judges and officers, and he said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years, and you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all of these nations for your sake, for it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes, those nations that remain, along with the nations that I have already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight. And you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside neither to the right hand nor to the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or make mention of of the names of their gods, or swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them. But you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he has promised. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and associate with them and they with you, then know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. But they will be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish off this good ground that the Lord your God has given to you. And now I am about to go the way of all the earth. And you know in your hearts and your souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All of them have come to pass. Not one of them has failed. But just as all of the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you 
all the evil things until he has destroyed you from off this land that the Lord your God has given you if you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly off of the good land that he has given to you. What we find here in this passage is something uh, very interesting. Uh, it, it actually takes place probably between 10 and 20 years after the events that are recorded earlier in the book of Joshua. It says that the Lord had given Israel rest from all of their surrounding enemies. So we could say that things are settled. The people are in their homes. They're, they're working the ground. Uh, they're feeling comfortable. The, the dishes have been put away and the silverware has been unpacked. And after a time of great intensity comes the normal. And so Joshua gathers together all of the leaders of the people. And actually what we find here is the first of two farewell addresses. We're going to look together at chapter 24, his second farewell address, next week. Uh, But like the good preacher, Joshua is deeply concerned for the people of Israel. And he he speaks to them about three areas that they need to be on guard. And what he actually does is he then repeats these three areas three times. So this chapter is is, is a little bit like some cycles in it. If you're making notes, you might want to write down that uh, this is found in verses 3 through 8. And then uh, in a slightly different way, he repeats it in verses 9 through 13. And then a third time, he repeats it in a slightly different way in verses 14 through 16, as we're going to see together. Uh, But what he is concerned about, and and what we need to understand, is that when things begin to settle, stay on mission by remembering the unfailing faithfulness of God. You see, uh, as Joshua stands before the leaders of the people, he reminds them how they have seen God working in incredible ways through everything that they've been through. He reminds them that that the Lord went before you. He reminds them that the Lord was there with you in the midst of that. He reminds them of how God has showed up time and time again. And you know what? If we were to take time right now to go around the sanctuary, I bet that we would hear some incredible stories from each of our lives of how we have seen the faithful hand of God at work. But he also wants them to understand that God's faithfulness in the past is what will enable them to stay on mission in the future. Look with me again at what I just read. In verses 3 through 5, he says, And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all of these nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes, those nations that remain, so there are still some that remain, along with the nations that I have already cut off. He goes on to talk about how the Lord will enable them to take possession even of that land. And, And so what Joshua wants them to remember is that they must Think on the faithfulness of God in the past, in the times of distress, in the times of trial, in the times of battle, so that they remain faithful and stay focused on the mission in the times to come. What I mean is this. 
things have settled. The majority of the enemy has been overcome, but there's still some work left to do. And, and the tendency, the, the struggle is that when after a time of crisis, after a time of intensity, things begin to settle down, we are prone to forget all that the Lord has done. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves facing a difficult or unexpected circumstance and we freak out. And we panic. And we forget that the God who helped us, the God who was present, the God who was there, the God who worked in incredible ways and showed His great faithfulness to us in the past is the same God today. And He is just as able to be at work in this situation as the ones He's already brought us through. This is actually why over and over again through the pages of Scripture we see the command, remember, 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 or recount to one another the greatness of the Lord. And yes, it is so that we praise Him for His greatness, which is right and appropriate. But it is also so that we remind ourselves and encourage and strengthen one another with the faithfulness of God. As we come alongside one another and say, remember when God showed up in that way? Remember how He answered that prayer? I know you're going through something tough right now, but don't forget the faithfulness of the Lord. There's that encouragement that He gives. And over and over again, I love this. We see that Joshua, as he points the people to this, he reminds them of the promises of God. For example, in in verse 5, I read a moment ago, just as the Lord God promised you. Again, in verse 10, we see that same phrase repeated, just as the Lord your God promised you. It shows up again in verse 14 and 15. In fact, look at verse 14. I love what he says here. He says, now I'm about to go the way of all the earth, and you know in your hearts and your souls, get this, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All of them have come to pass. Not one of them has failed. Folks, there are some of us who need to write that verse down and memorize that and remember that our God is faithful. That He is a promise-keeping God. And let's be honest, we all know what it's like to count on people and see them let us down. We all know what it's like to have trusted somebody's word only to find that they went back on it. And some of us, perhaps even here this morning, are walking around with a deep pain and a wound because at some point a spouse has gone back on a promise that they made and has been unfaithful. For some It may be that you grew up in a home where dad just bailed when things got tough. It may be that you were in business with what you thought was a trusted business partner, but then you came to discover that he has been siphoning off the company funds. And now he's disappeared and you're left holding the bag. But Joshua wants to remind the people, and I want to remind you that our God is true to His Word. He is eternally faithful, and His promises are true. He has done just as He has promised. 
And here in Joshua 23, probably the promises that they had in mind were the promises of, of, of God going before them and overthrowing the enemy. Was, was God going before them and bringing them into the land and giving an inheritance? But all through the pages of Scripture, we see what Peter calls great and very precious promises that are made to the children of God. And today, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the same God who was faithful to Israel is faithful to His promises and His word today. We need to remember that and we need to be encouraged by that. And so if we were to search through the Scriptures, we could spend literally all day talking about the promises of God. But let me remind you just very briefly of four of them. The first is that we find in the pages of Scripture that, that God has promised you His presence that He is always with you. Matthew 28, verse 20. And I will be with you even to the end of the age. Hebrews 13, verse 5. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you, says the Lord. You know what? There are some of us here who feel alone. Maybe that even in the last couple of nights you found yourself waking up in the dead of night with a terror striking you. And nobody's around and it feels like nobody cares. And God would have you remember that through Christ you are promised His presence. He is with you even in the midst of that. Even when it seems like nobody else is around. He's also promised to us not only His presence, but He promises His peace. Philippians chapter 4, we're reminded that uh, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And listen to this. And the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What an incredible promise that even when you find yourself in a situation that, that should be causing you to run around like a headless chicken, that God gives you a peace that doesn't make sense to the world. Because He's promised that He's with us and that He will still uncomfort us. He's promised us in His Word, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that He is working out His good purpose in you. A lot of us love to quote Romans 8, 28. It talks about God working all things for the good of those who love Him who are called according to His purpose. Sometimes we struggle because it can feel like His idea of good and our idea of good are on slightly different tracks. But God's idea is best. And even in the midst of what we may find ourselves going through, He is accomplishing His good and glorious purposes. Nothing's being wasted. And He promises us as well his power, so that we will persevere. We're reminded in the book of Ephesians that the very same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is at work in you who believe. We're told in, Rome, in uh, Ephesians chapter 6 that we can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And we're told in the book of Jude that he is able to keep us from falling and present us perfect before the throne. What a great God we serve. And for some of us, maybe, maybe you don't need to hear anything else this morning other than the fact that God is faithful. And whatever you're going through, in the circumstance you find yourself in, He is with you. Joshua says to the people, 
just as the Lord has promised you. So he has done. But here's the thing. Here's the struggle when it comes to those times where things feel settled. We need to remember his unfailing faithfulness so that we don't forget that he's the one who did it. It wasn't us. Again, here in Joshua chapter 23, we see this over and again in verse 3. And then again in verse 10, he says, for it was the Lord who fought for you. It wasn't you. You you didn't win. You didn't overcome these enemies because you were so great. You didn't do it because you had the best military strategy. He brought you through that storm because he was the one fighting for you. You know the problem when things start to settle down is that we can often be tempted to overstate our part and forget God's part. And what do we do? We start start to think, huh, well, things worked out pretty well because because I'm pretty good, because I've worked hard. Because I deserved it. And we forget the utter faithfulness of God. But here's the thing. We need to remember the faithfulness of God. We need to remember that every good and perfect gift comes from Him. We need to remember that He is the one who has fought for us. That He is the one who sustains us. And and we must not lose sight of that because if we do, then we will find that it won't be long before we veer off mission. It's not just about remembering the faithfulness of God. You see, Joshua speaks to the people, and he, and, and he says that when things start to settle, stay on mission by clinging to God in a courageous obedience. Essentially, what he's saying is that what we need in wartime in a time of uncertainty and of chaos, is the very same thing that we need in a time of settledness and routine. You know, the book of Joshua starts with a wonderful charge to Joshua. It's found in Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. I hope that that verse is familiar to you, as I believe that it's the, the, the memory verse here at Springbrook this month. It speaks there about the fact that Joshua is to be strong and courageous. It speaks about the fact that he is to do according to all of the law of Moses, not turning from it to the left or to the right. He's to meditate upon it day and night. And actually that charge is repeated throughout the book of Joshua, a remembrance to be strong and courageous, to be strong and to do all that the Lord has commanded. You see, that's what they needed to do in transition. That's what they needed to do in the middle of the battle. And guess what? Here we are when things are settled. And we find it again in verse 6 of chapter 23. Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law, not turning aside either to the left hand or to the right. A couple of verses further down, verse 8. But you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. What's he saying? The same dependence. The same clinging to God. The same courageous obedience that you needed in time of change, crisis, transition, difficulty is precisely what you and I need every single day, even when things are comfortable and quiet. Pastor Rich 
mentioned that I serve with a ministry now called Cary International Pastoral Training, and as our name suggests, we are engaged in training pastors and church leaders all around the world, especially in areas that uh, are closed to the gospel, areas that are, are, are more difficult and the resources are not available, or where, uh, it, where to name the name of Jesus Christ is even in some places illegal. And I have to tell you that when I'm traveling to various different places, I try to go prayed up. And I'm thankful that I've got a small group of men who have committed to be a part of my strategic prayer team who are praying for me as I'm traveling. But, but when I am standing in the middle of the Golden Triangle in northern Myanmar, which is the world's largest opium-producing region, and the person that I'm supposed to meet is three hours late... It's not hard for me to remember that, that I have to trust in the Lord, that my dependence is in Him. When I'm in a different country and I'm working uh, with the underground church and I'm being smuggled in and out of our training centers, trying to keep as low a profile as possible so that the authorities don't know what we are doing and come and raid the place. It's not hard to remember that I have to trust in the Lord with courageous obedience and depend on Him. When I'm in the only white face in a marketplace in Egypt and coming around the corner are pickup trucks with the local Islamic militia all armed to the teeth on the back of them. It's not hard to think, God, you're the one who has to protect me here. I'll tell you where it's hard. It's hard when I'm at home or when I'm out in our minivan and I'm driving along, and the kids are in the back, and they're saying, he hit me, she bit me. No, I didn't. Yes, I did. That's where it's hard. I'll tell you where it's hard. That's when you've had the plumber out for the third time this year, because you live in an old house, and the plumbing stinks. And you got a big bill set in front of you just as you were getting ready to sit down and write your offering check. And you face the temptation, well, maybe, maybe if I just skip this this month, then I'll have what I need. Here's the thing. You and I need to cling to God with the same dependence, with the same courageous obedience in the day in and the day out as we do in the midst of the storm. And we'll find as we do that He is faithful. But let's be honest. Some of us, well, We struggle with this, don't we? Joshua uh, tells the people here to be strong in the Lord, to keep and to do all that is written. He tells them to cling to the Lord. And in verse 11, he specifically tells them to be careful to love the Lord their God and not turn back. But this whole idea of dependence on the Lord, and especially the idea of courageous obedience, uh, that's hard. Sometimes we find it easier when times are tough because we can almost use it a little bit like a trinket, like a, uh, like a, a bartering tool with God. Things are going bad, and it's like, okay, God, so if I do what you've been telling me to do for a really long time, will you show up and get me out of the situation? But then when things are, are, are kind of calm, we get a little lax. Let me ask you, how are you doing on this? Is there an area that you've kind of been fudging? That you know that God is faithful? That you know 
kind of, you need to depend on him. You need to follow him in obedience. After all, Jesus did say in Luke 6, 46, why do you say, Lord, Lord, and do not do as I've commanded you? Or in John 14, uh, uh, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. May we know those verses. But where are we fudging on doing that? Is there an area that you know that God is calling you to do something? But you know what? Life's kind of settled right now. Things are going okay even without doing it. Is there a, a relationship that He's calling you to not be in anymore? Is there a relationship that, that is dishonoring to Him that you have just been holding on to because kind of you, you want to even though they, He doesn't have that for you? Is there a relationship where you need to go and extend grace and forgiveness to somebody that you don't want to forgive? Is there an area that God has been calling you to use your gifts and to serve, but it just seems like too much work and surely somebody else will stand up and do it? Is there an area of radical obedience? Perhaps God has a call on your life to step out and do something life-altering. And you know it's there but every time it comes up again, it's kind of like swipe, ignore, call, ignore, call. We need desperately to cling to God with the same courageous obedience and trust, even when things settle as we do, when they're tumultuous and intense. Because, you see, he's got one more thing to say. When things start to settle, we need to stay on mission by guarding against compromise. Again, we see this in verses 7 and 12 and 13, and again in verse 16. Joshua warns the people about why resting in God's faithfulness and, and clinging to Him with courageous obedience is so important. In those passages, he speaks about the fact that if we don't cling, we may find ourselves bowing down and worshiping the gods of the surrounding nations. He warns them about this. He says, don't turn to the left or to the right that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or, or serve them or bow down to them. He says, don't marry amongst them and let them and their culture stain and compromise and infiltrate. Because if you do, if you do, then it won't be long before you start to veer off mission. It's interesting because through the years of battle that they've faced, all through the book of Joshua, there was kind of a singular purpose. There was a recognition that they were to go in and overthrow the enemy. Oftentimes they were told to leave no sign of that people, their gods, their altars, everything was to be torn down. They knew that it was the Lord their God who had fought for them and that they needed to be faithful to the Lord their God. But there were still a few left. And again, sometimes when life is intense and we're in the midst of the struggle, we have a greater sense of clarity and a greater sense of vision and a greater sense of focus. But let's be honest, it's not too hard to see that when we're comfortable, when things are settled, when the transition is over and we're back to kind of 
normalcy and routine. We often let, our, let down our guard. And I believe that one of the greatest struggles the church in the United States today faces is the fact that in a thousand little ways, we have let the culture infiltrate our hearts. In the books that we read, the magazines that we look at, the shows that we watch and stream on Netflix, the links that we click when we're online, the political pundits that we go to for every little thing, whatever it may be, that we've allowed the values and the priorities and the mission of an unbelieving culture to start to stain us. And we can kind of understand why, because let's be honest, every, we, we, we want to be liked. Uh, one of the high values that we have in this culture is kind of to fit in. Everybody wants to be seen as just kind of a regular guy. But those co-workers you have, those friends that you've got at school, that, that, that neighbor who lives down the street, who, whose family is desperately broken, those other people in your life who are going through struggles, do you know what? They don't need another buddy who looks just like them. They desperately need to see somebody who's broken, somebody who has struggles, somebody who knows what it is to be in the midst of trials, but somebody who understands that God is faithful and He is at work in their life and He will accomplish His good purpose. And friends, this community doesn't need a church with a nice building, good music and friendly people, as important as that is. But what it desperately needs is to see a people of God who are radically clinging to Jesus in, in, in times of stability, in times of crisis, in times of transition. And we're seeing God's power exhibited in their lives. See, the people of Israel were given a calling, beginning really in Exodus chapter 19, as God made a, a, a covenant with the people at the foot of Sinai. They were called to be a, a royal priesthood and a holy nation. That is that they were set apart as God's people. They had a calling to be distinct. In other words, they were not supposed to look like the other nations. And all through the scriptures we see this same calling. And we see that the people of Israel, just as is warned about in this passage, they turn and they are led astray. And God disciplines them and even takes them out of the land, sends them into exile, all to help them to understand that they must depend on the Lord. By the time we get to the New Testament, we have the same calling if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. We are actually called, according to First Peter, a, a royal priesthood, a chosen nation, a holy people. We are supposed to live distinct and set apart. But we live in a culture and in a world that tells us to cling to its values. Notice with me here in Joshua 23 that the people are instructed in verse 8 to cling to to the Lord your God. But just a few verses later in verse 12, they are warned not to turn back and cling to the remnant of the nations. It's an interesting word. It's not used a whole lot in the Scriptures, and it's used twice here. And I think that what Joshua is trying to communicate to the people is there's no neutral ground. 
Either you're clinging to God or you are clinging to the culture surrounding you. It's one or the other. And folks, if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, we need to help our kids to navigate this because they're on the front lines of a culture that says, hey, come, come cling to me, come cling to me. We can't, as Jesus said, serve two masters. We're to cling to God. And so, I want us to think. And this is one of those areas where maybe some of us even today, maybe this afternoon, we need to get alone with God and we need to, 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 to honestly come before Him and say, God, would you, would you show me in my own life? Where have I been? Where have I been infiltrated? Where have I gotten off mission? Where have I started to cling to the values and the priorities of this culture instead of clinging to you? Where have I forgotten your unfailing faithfulness and been tempted by the promises that are empty of this culture? Because I want to surrender that to you and I want to get back on mission. And whether I'm in times of transition and trial and crisis and change, or whether I'm kind of comfortable and settled, I want to live, Lord, for you. I would say, brothers and sisters, remind yourself and encourage one another with the unfailing faithfulness of God so that you are not drawn away to something else that cannot satisfy. Recognize that the same courageous obedience that we need in times of difficulty and and change and trial is what we also need in the day-to-day-to-day. And so deal with disobedience. Wherever God exposes that in your life, Cling to Jesus. Draw near to Him and follow Him because His way is good and it works. And even though it may seem like a courageous, scary thing to step out in faith and obey God in that area, remember, it's precisely then that we experience His unfailing faithfulness. And finally, get real about where you may have let your guard down about where your values and your priorities and your pursuits have become stained and compromised by the values and the priorities and the pursuits of a culture that is all around us but that doesn't know Jesus. Because we're called to be distinct and to cling only to Him. Because here's the thing. Here in this church and in your life and mine, we will often find that the greatest challenge is not so much what to do when it feels like things are turned upside down. Often we'll find the greatest challenge is how do we stay on mission when things begin to feel settled? Would you pray with me? Oh Lord, our God, you are unfailingly faithful. We praise you and thank you that you do not change, that time and time and time again you have reminded us that your promises are true, that your presence is with us, that you are the one who leads and that the path that you lead on is good. Forgive us for often in the midst of of settledness and routine and comfort. Forgive us for relying on our own strength and our own efforts and losing sight of you. 
Show us, oh God, how to live with courageous obedience, clinging to you in dependence each and every day because indeed uh, we depend on you for even our very life and breath. And Lord, would you expose within us those places where we, where we, like the nation of Israel, have allowed the subtle and deceptive promises of the culture to seep into our hearts. And we have started to cling to them rather than to you. Teach us to live the kind of radical lives that are rooted in Jesus Christ that causes at first the watching world to think that we're crazy, but then for them to respond that they want to know the same Savior. Lord, we want to live in such a way in our own lives and in this church as you lead us forward in the days to come. We want to live in such a way that the name of Jesus is lifted high and the nations are drawn to you because of us. It's in your holy name we pray.